Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the real estate required for renewable energy. There's a significant narrative about the need to transition from carbon-based energy to renewable energy sources. Renewable energy sources fall into three principal categories. Number one, hydroelectric. Number two, solar. And number three, wind. But we're also talking about how the increase in the use of solar and wind power will also require an equivalent production capacity of natural gas or other carbon-based generation. This might sound counterintuitive, but when you understand how renewable energy sources work, you quickly understand how the renewable resources will require complete duplication of the power generating capacity. Now, I'm a huge fan of solar energy. I love the idea that you can get energy for free just by sitting there in the sunshine. I have solar power on my boat, and I love the fact that I rarely have to plug into shore power. The problem is that the math doesn't add up when you try to extend the renewable argument on a national or global basis. You see, a barrel of oil will require about 60 square feet of solar panel area for an entire year in order to produce the same energy as just one barrel of oil. The lifespan of a solar panel is not that long. After 25 years, that solar panel is pretty much spent. The solar panel will break even after about 8 years on an economic basis, so you've got 16 years of economic benefit for the solar panel. After that, it's time to buy another one. The problem with solar power is that it fluctuates widely in terms of output from one minute to the next or one hour to the next. It's not a problem with the technology per se, it's the result of natural fluctuations in output. When the sun sets, solar energy production drops to zero. In fact, in the winter months, you rarely get more than about four hours a day of productive sunlight intensity. That's the time of year when you arguably need it the most in the colder climates. The problem with solar and wind energy is that they only operate on average between 10 to 30% of the time. They reduce your average fossil fuel consumption, but you have to design the entire electrical system to handle the peak consumption, not just the average. When it's dark and it's hot and there's no wind, your electrical system still has to produce enough power. If it doesn't, then you have large-scale outages, which can take days or weeks to recover from. You have to assume that at least part of the time, the solar and wind infrastructure are contributing nothing to the network. It's as if they don't exist. So you have to have a completely parallel system to produce power that's not relying on renewable forms of energy. The other non-carbon form of energy, of course, is nuclear. And in the United States, that represents about 10% of total energy consumption. Building a renewable energy system means building two complete systems in parallel. Those who are managing the electrical grid are continually monitoring consumption of electricity, neither adding or removing fuel to the power generating infrastructure in order to keep the demand and supply balanced. See, the laws of supply and demand also apply in the world of electricity. If the generators don't have enough fuel, then the voltage drops, and if the motors truly can't keep up with the load, then they slow down below 60 revolutions per second, below the 60 hertz, and as soon as that happens, you have a catastrophic failure of the electrical system. You can have the opposite problem as well. If you push too much energy into the grid, then you can have a runaway train. Solar panels have come down significantly in price, but they take a lot of area. Assuming you could even cover an area the size of the state of Texas with solar panels in order to replace the U.S. consumption of fossil fuels, you would need to replace that area with new panels every 25 years. In addition, you would still need to maintain a fossil fuel infrastructure for those times when the sun is out of view and the wind stops blowing. If you replace an area the size of the state of Texas with solar panels, you can imagine the impact on wildlife and ecosystems by essentially paving over that much wilderness. 
You cannot relocate that much wildlife successfully. I believe there is a real estate play in the realm of renewable energy, and this is an area that will increase importance in the coming years. But the projections of replacing a large percentage of the fossil fuel consumption with renewables in the next 20 years are wildly optimistic, and they're simply not supported by the scale of investments that are being contemplated. Too much of the near-term narrative that I'm hearing is really arguing about who gets to pay and who gets to keep the carbon credits. Problem is carbon credits don't help the environment directly. They don't result in any real reduction in carbon consumption. It's just a tax. The natural environment is not a party to our financial system. And when an environmental argument gets reduced to a fight over money, I start to lose sight over how we're going to replace our carbon consumption. Again, I want to re-emphasize that I love solar. I want it to work. I want it to be the solution. But having spent many hours going through the math, running through the analysis, I'm not seeing it. It doesn't add up. So you think about that. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. Talk to you again tomorrow.